A reading from the Hebrew Scriptures, Amos, chapter 7, verses 7 to 15. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, see, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to the king Jeroboam of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the very center of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into ex- and must- Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to my Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered Amaziah, I am no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I am a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. And the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. The word of God for us. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, you are our rock and redeemer. Amen. Today we hear from the prophet Amos from the Hebrew Scriptures, sent by God to give a divine word to God's people, Israel. And a little backstory to set the context. At this point in Israel's history, the kingdom of Israel is a divided nation, with the larger kingdom of Israel in the north and the smaller kingdom of Judah in the south, whose capital was Jerusalem. And Amos is from the southern kingdom of Judah. And he was sent by God to go up north and prophesy warning of coming destruction. For the people of God have broken the covenant that God made with them. They have seriously gone astray. The king, the government officials, the religious elite who answer to them, all of those in power have abused their power. And through greed and self-seeking, they have rejected the instruction of the Lord. They have broken God's laws. They have forgotten the terms of God's covenant which the prophet Micah lays out pretty clearly for all of humankind, saying, God has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does God require from you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. As the book of Amos reads, the, the, those in power have been led off the right path 
in the same way by the same lies that their ancestors were led astray. As the scripture says, they have sold the innocent for silver and those in need for a pair of sandals. They crushed the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and they pushed the afflicted out of the way. The disparity between the rich and the poor mirrors our own society today where the economic disparity between the wealthy and the poor is the highest of any other industrialized democracy, those nations known as G7. So we are a bit familiar with this scenario. And the nation of Israel has forgotten. They become blinded to the trappings of the world, the allure of money and property and prestige. And injustice is rampant. And this is what grieves God and makes God very mad. Amos was sent to call attention to all of these things. And he says God has lost patience with them. And God is red in the face, angry, and will respond with justice to their injustice. And it will not be favorable for them. King Jeroboam will die by the sword. Their kingdom will be taken over by foreign power and the people of Israel will be taken into exile. To read in our scriptures that we share with our faith ancestors about the wrath of God may make many of us uncomfortable. As a Christian, especially myself, raised with those scriptures that focus on God's love, and the Hebrew people too, who historically lift up what Exodus 34 proclaims, that God is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. How can we conceive of an angry God? We too may lean toward what was true in the ancient world, a rewards-punishment mentality, which would make us understand an angry God. And that understanding is if I sin or behave badly, God will punish. If I do good, God will reward. After all, how else can we understand how bad things happen to good people? Perhaps those good people aren't that good in the first place. We might want to believe. It's an age-old question. But what is true is that actions have consequences. And by divine design, if humankind is not living as God created that is, in harmonious, loving, just relationships with God and one another, building each other up in love, never tearing down, regardless of race, beliefs, nationality, gender identity, and any other attribute, some people will prosper outwardly. Some will be greatly harmed. And no one will prosper in mind, spirit, or soul. That's just how it is. God is not to blame for the harmful effects of any way that I stray from doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. The scripture tells us very clearly that our God is a jealous God. So deep is God's love for us that any idolatry, any trapping of the world that brings our attention away from God and leads us to worship, if you will, any other thing, activity, person, institution. This is what brings God deep sorrow. 
And God's prophets were sent out to proclaim God's sorrow and call for correction, call for a change of heart that they might be spared of the inevitable outcome of their actions. Prophets were not fortune tellers, but agents of change, pointing out how people have gone astray and showing the way back to God. Through prophets of old and prophets today, God relentlessly works to call us back to loving God's loving embrace, never forcing us, but always inviting us. Theologian Elaine James says that God's love calls for deep obedience. Without that, it would be what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace. God's love without a response from us is, is like cheap grace. It's not worth as much. And Amos is called to point this out to the people. James Cone writes, The wrath of God is the love of God in regard to the forces opposed to the liberating work of our Creator. So God's judgment is a judgment of love from a God who deeply cares. And even so, all this is true, that Amos is sent by a loving God. What he says is not well received, to say the least. Amaziah, the priest who answers to the king, is outraged at Amos' words. His words shake Amaziah's sense of security because he is in, in collusion with the king. And if King Jeroboam is to be killed one day, well, that means the end of Amaziah's livelihood and security. So Amaziah, enraged, tells Amos to go back home, to go back and get your money for being a prophet back down south in Judah. And at this time, there were such things as companies of prophets or guilds of professional prophets. Prophecy had been institutionalized, we could say. And Amaziah is assuming that Amos is one of these paid prophets. But the thing is, if you're a paid prophet, paid by the government, are you really going to say harsh words that demand change? You'll probably put your job on the line if you do. Amos is not one of these. He says in response, Look, I am a herdsman. I keep sheep. I trim sycamore trees. I didn't raise my hand and say, God, pick me. But God chose me and said, Amos, go north and deliver my words that my people might be saved. So he wasn't paid. He didn't sign up, but he was a willing and obedient participant. He was an ordinary man of his time without credentials, without pedigree. He left behind all he knew and went. As disciples of Christ... We, too, are called by God. And we may not be in Amos. We may not be called to leave our current profession. We may not be a Sarah and Abraham called to leave our homeland. We may not be a Miriam and Moses called to lead an entire nation out of Egyptian slavery. But God will call us according to how God has uniquely and wonderfully created and equipped us. And as we see with Amos, as we saw in last week's gospel story also, where Jesus sent his first 12 disciples out into the world to preach God's good news 
to heal and to cast out unclean spirits. Amos and the twelve were called to take nothing with them for the journey. We don't see Amos packing a suitcase. And Jesus tells the disciples, don't pack a suitcase. Don't, don't worry about food. You will be taken care of. The people will take care of you. And if they don't, move on to the next house. Whoever will listen, that's where you go. It's really very simple. We don't need much to say yes to God's call. In a homily on this passage from Amos, Father Richard Bowman lifts up a story from author and theologian Jim Wallace, who's a Christian political activist. And Wallace wrote a book called Faith Works. And in that book, he tells of a story of a congregation, a parish, who wanted to do something to address youth violence in their area. And they were able to get some of the young people from the streets to gather with them one evening for a talk. And the congregation members there listened to the youth and they heard their stories of struggle. And one parish member then asked, what can we do? And one of the kids said, I don't know. Maybe you could figure out what you do best and just use it. What do you do best? Just use it. Simple. Do not pack extra clothes, food, or money, Jesus said to the disciples. Just go and preach the good and healing news. Simple. You are enough by divine design to go as you are. I will be with you, God says. I will guide your steps and give you the words. Simple. In that congregation meeting with the youth from the neighborhood, to that young person's suggestions to figure out what you're good at and use it, people started coming forth in response. A college dean offered to take any kid on a campus tour and talk about what it might look like to enroll. Business people were talking about jobs. A police and drug enforcement officer asked to meet with the kids to learn better what to do on the streets. And the one that stands out most profoundly to me is a woman who worked at McDonald's. And she perhaps understood that little is needed to say yes to the call, maybe more than the others. She had breaks every shift for 15 minutes. And she welcomed the kids to meet her for coffee and conversation on her, on her breaks, saying to them, you know where to find me. Who you are and what you have to offer right now is enough. This past Thursday, the East Westwood Community Council held their meeting at Third Presbyterian Church. Our friends from Third Church in that community Brother Rodney Christian, Kim Springer, Tierra Powell, Reggie Roberts, Robert Moore, and others are some who sit on that neighborhood council. And I joined several of you in attending that meeting as partners in ministry with our friends of Third Church and people who want to hear the stories out of concern for the rising gun violence, especially that's happening in that neighborhood. I want to share now what I meant to say at the beginning. I, 
a warning, I will lift up uh, the topic of gun violence and children, if this is sensitive to anyone listening. Just want you to know, nothing graphic, but I want you to know. So in the wake of the recent shootings in East Westwood, where children were involved, at this council meeting, 10 times the number in attendance that is usually there showed up for this meeting, including three members of Cincinnati City Council and those running for City Council. And our friend Rodney Christian, who's now on staff at Third, but has been a servant there for decades, as a father figure to many children over all those years and still now. He came forward to give thanks for those that have gathered. And he called for action to create a safer space in the neighborhood. And even today, many of you know and many of you are involved in showing up to journey with kids in their after-school program, uh, weekly program today on the new basketball court and playground. The kids receive a meal every day, and they're always in need of more older people to be there, present, listening, attentive. What happened recently out there is an eight-year-old boy, while making a common trip to the neighborhood store down the street, was caught in the crossfire and was shot. There was a conflict among adults with loaded guns. The mother of this young boy was at that meeting and she stood up with tears and told her story about how her two kids are good kids, how they go to that store all the time, never alone, and that this one day her son did not come home. And now he's fighting for his life at Children's Hospital she pleaded, we have to do something to stop this violence. The innocent are being wounded and traumatized. And then the owner of that shop where the little boy was, was shot came forward and talked about how he knew this eight-year-old boy as a regular customer and how the violence in his shop has increased. And he shared how he has done what the police have asked him to do increasing security cameras, increasing lighting on the streets outside. But it's not working. He's pleading, what do I do? Then he shared he has three children and one is eight years old and he lives in fear for their lives every day. Then brother, brother Rodney stood up giving a prophetic word for all of us there that night and all of us here today for the neighborhood in our city. He gave a word of lament, of righteous anger, and a call to action to ask God to show us how we can serve to end the violence, this violence that is involving more and more children. Rodney did not give a job description of skills needed. He didn't say only certain people are equipped to rise up and take action. No advanced degrees are required, no spreadsheets or, or bank accounts or checking accounts. He did not emphasize infrastructure building, security measures, but only what God told the prophets, what Jesus tells us as disciples, go. I send you out not with heavy luggage, you won't need it. You are enough, and this is what you need to do. Talk to one another. Show up and listen.
take an interest. When you see kids gathering that seem strangers to you, go and befriend them. Let them know you care. Show them my love, Jesus says, which heals everything. That is our way to proclaim God's healing love, is by sharing our stories, which weigh nothing but are not weightless. When we share our stories and hear others, healing, real healing can happen. To know and be known can change a person's world forever. To know that someone cares can change our whole outlook. Rodney prophesied, and as he always does when he sits down after giving a word, he says, I give to you the word God gave me. And it's believable because it's true and from his heart. After Rodney shared, some members of the council came forward to speak. One woman from Price Hill stood up to challenge the council members and, and say, why in this city that most of us know can build a stadium in the blink of an eye are th is there money earmarked and promised for East Westwood that has been sitting in a bank account for years? Why is that, she wanted to know. And city council stood up and responded with hopeful news that they are aware and taking action and that there is a plan to build a boys and girls club in East Westwood neighborhood. And the conversation continued leading to talk of money and buildings and all of that is important it's vital to hold our elected officials accountable, but eventually our friend brother Reggie Roberts spoke into that conversation with another prophetic word. He said, friends, this is important, but let's remember why so many of us are here tonight. A child was shot. The word of God given to Reggie brought us back to the word of God given to Rodney and through the Holy Spirit reminded us of first things first, that God's call is simple. When we're called to bring love and healing, we bring ourselves. We bring what we're good at and we use it. If we're good at speaking, we ask God to show us what to say. If we're good at listening, we just listen and we talk to one another, and we ask those in trouble, what do you desire? What do you need? And ask God to show us. It's simple. And I would invite us now to take a moment of silence together and do the most important part of prayer and listen to what God might be inviting us to or what God's words of love and healing we might need. So just take a moment and ask God to show you, inform you how you might be called to go out with nothing but what you're good at, your heart full of God's love, where you might go, what you might say, to whom would God send you with words or presence of love and healing?
Thanks be to God that we are enough for the call on any given day. It's simple, but not easy. But with God, all things are possible. Thanks be to God. Amen.